0: Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4 We're going to look at 1 and 2. Uh, there's no doubt It's to cover a couple of uh, things about servanthood and about stewardship. And uh, we want to cover a couple of uh, things today. One is going to be foot washing and the other is unleavened bread. Uh, so we'll just flow and sing in your... Because I know we've covered these things many times before. But I just want to throw something in your, in your psyche. Or in your hearing, in your heart, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions. And in your, if you're older like me, your crow feet eyes. And i live up. what? Yeah, I hear you. So anyway, the thing about foot washing is this, is that foot washing is not about repentance and reconciliation. Repentance is really about serving. And so there's a lot of the repentance part and the reconciliation should be done before we get to foot washing, before we get to Passover. That's what today's about. That's what these past days has been about. And I think a lot of times we may forget that whenever we're up and we're foot washing and we're washing someone's feet, really what that is is about showing them that you are here to serve them, that we are here to serve one another. And so that's what I want to cover here in the foot washing because we're going to do it a little bit different this year uh, because we're going to be down in Hurley. If you want to wash your family's feet, that's great. But, you know, you can do that at home. But what I want to do is encourage us that when we're there, because we'll have the ladies in a line, we'll have the guys, they'll go in a line. And here's the thing, you know, um, and this is the protocol may change, but just to let you know, if I'm, if I'm number one in line and whoever's number two, we're going to wash each other's feet. And then whoever's three and four, this is not really a time to where you're going to wash 1,800 people's feet. We don't have the time for that. But that's not what it's about. It's about, we go to Leek. What do we do at Leek? We have a mikvah, and we do it once a year. We do have a water baptism that we have for remission of sins, and sometimes we have a baptism That we want to do our first works over. But every year it's just an outward showing. That to the people of what's going on in here. That's what this is about. and That's what we want to tackle. Okay verse 1 it says. This is how one should regard us. Remember we talked about Sardis. It says you have the reputation. So this is really a reputation. This is how this should be our reputation here. This is how somebody or one should regard us as servants. And what service means is serving shows humility. This is why serving is so important. This is why foot washing is so important. It's showing humility. Not just going through the motions, but really how we walk it out in our heart. That's what this is about. As servants of Messiah and stewards of the mysteries of Elohim. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they they be found what? That they be found faithful. So we're seeing here, now I don't have Matthew on here, but I'll just go to Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Let me ask you the question. And the answer is yes, in case you don't know. Are we to be like Yeshua? Absolutely, definitely. I like that. Not only yes, but definitely. We are to be exactly like Yeshua is. And this tells us how Yeshua came in His first coming. And since we are operating with Yeshua in His first coming, He's still giving us the power to take dominion over things and over situations. But first, He is is calling us to do something before you just start taking dominion. Verse 26, it says this. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your what? Your servant. Some say slaves, but servanthood. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave or your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to do what? To serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So it really tells us, what did Yeshua do when he came? He came as a servant. He come not to be served, and he's our king. But the first coming, he didn't come to be served. So guess what? What is our job today? Our job today is to serve, is to serve one another. We're going to come when he returns and he sets his kingdom up where he is the king of kings and the rulers of rulers. Then guess what? Then at that time, we will be ruling with him. But right now, our heart and our ministry is to serve and stewardship. Serving is how we naturally help one another. Stewardship is how we manage the kingdom. So he's given us a job to manage his kingdom right now and to serve in his kingdom. And that's why this is so important. This is what foot washing is all about. This is an outward reminder that we're servants and that we can never... Look down on anybody at any time. Except to help them up. That's the only time we're allowed to look down on someone. So if he came. Not to be served. But to serve. Then we have the same ministry. That he has. Okay. Let's go to John chapter 13. Verse 1. Now before the feast of Passover, I just want to say something here. A lot of times you're going to see the word Passover. You may see the feast of Passover covers Passover and unleavened bread. It covers it all. They just So we don't want to get into the nuances of the Torah. And the day after that is the first day of what? Unleavened bread. And for seven days, and we're going to touch on that in just a minute. So it says, now before the feast of Passover, when Yeshua knew that his hour had come, to depart out of this world. Remember we talked about this before. When you know that if you, if you know. That you have 24 hours to live. Or 48 hours to live. What you do and say. Is of the utmost importance. We, need, we really need to take note. And this is what he's doing here. Because he's sending a message to his disciples. Who's going to become apostles. Because guess what? These are going to be his primary messengers that's going to take the gospel out to the nations. Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. Paul's going to show up into this later. So what happens is, is he has to make sure that they have the same mission that he had. And that was to what? Go out and serve the people. Go out and and not sit here. Who's going to be sitting in my right hand? Who's going to be sitting at my left hand? That's later. That's not now. So he had to make sure that he gave his marching orders to his disciples. And for his disciples to do what? They're giving us the same marching orders. That we are to go out and to serve people in our communities, Having loved his own who were in the devil and loved them to the end. Verse 2. During supper... When the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Yeshua, knowing that his father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from Elohim and he was going back to Elohim, rose from supper and he took aside his outer garment and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He then poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now I'm reading you the story because I know you know the story and you've read it probably a hundred times if you've been a believer for three days but it's so important that we that we hear this again what he's doing because also we have to know that when you watch because I think we know the history of it, I mean they they wore um, what do they call them little things? Well, they call them sandals, but what did we call them Jesus cleats or something I don't know what we call them. Them little, little flip-flops, okay? Yeah, but anyway, but you're right. Their sandals or they were barefooted and their feet were very nasty and dirty. So in most homes, whenever you would go to a home, the servants of the home would do what to the guest? Wash their feet. That's what they would do. So washing someone's feet in that culture is of the utmost humility and humble to serve. That's just what it is. I mean, how many of you just saying... Just work with me just a moment. If we were all barefooted people, how many of you that when people come in and they're not your children would just want to wash somebody's feet? That's right. And if they hadn't had a pedicure, for sure. You know what I'm saying? I had an uncle. No, I ain't going to say that. I mean, he, he was always barefooted, but he had claws. He didn't have toes. That dude can go up the bank of a river in a heartbeat. You can imagine washing them feet. You had to do it with gloves. But the thing about it is, and I know this is going out everywhere, but anyway, I'm not going to name his name. But anyway, so what happens is, is, we always raised barefooted. I mean, we would get out there. We just, but So what I'm trying to paint the picture is this, is washing someone's feet is a very humbling thing. Is what it is. And that's why he's doing this. So then look what happens. And he says he came to Simon Peter. Who said to him. Master do you wash my feet? And Yeshua answered him. What I am doing. You do not understand now. But afterwards you will understand. Now Peter said to him. You shall never wash my feet. Now I want you to think about Peter. Peter preached the gospel. Peter's laid hands on people and they were healed. Peter was there when Yeshua was transfigured and Moses and Elijah, the spirit of them, came before him and he wanted to pitch a tent and say, we're going to live up here on this mountain forever. Peter was the only one of them I know of that walked on water. Think about this. Peter's, he's achieved some things. Where the other disciples have not achieved things. And then he's coming with this attitude. And really it's an attitude. Even though. False humility is pride. Let me just say that. Humility from the heart. You will know it. But false humility is pride. Because. Peter's always one who opens mouth, changes feet, okay? He's the one that's always vocal. He's out there. He's cutting people's ears off. One moment, he's in the spirit. You are the son of the most high. Next thing, you know, Yeshua's saying, depart from me. Get behind me, Satan. Just chop. I mean, he's just all over the place. But here he is, and he's vocal here. There's a lot of things, if you really think about it, that Peter achieved, but yet he's saying, you will never wash my feet. And Yeshua says something pretty powerful. If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. So I just want you to understand what the word has been coming out about servanthood and stewardship about serving people. You know what he's really saying here? If we're too proud to wash one another's feet, if we're too proud to serve one another, then we have no part of him. We have the reputation of being alive, but we're dead. This is why this is so important to us, that the foot washing is just an, it's an outward expression of what's going on inwardly. This is why it's important. The things that he lays in Scripture, look, I don't... When he says be water baptized, you know what? Be water baptized. When if he says wash a foot, wash a foot. They stick the other one up, get washing. This is something that we're doing. He's not saying go around, but it is something outwardly that happens to us that triggers something in the heart that does something for us that's going to move us to the next levels in our life. These are just things that I just believe that they're just so important. But then Peter, being Peter, says, you know what? Not my feet only or my hands, but just give me a bath. You know, my head and everything. But here's what Yeshua is saying. The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet because he is completely clean. You're already clean. But yet, we're not in this world, but we're of this world. We get dirty sometimes. And sometimes we need to help one another. In other words, what he's saying here is this. You won't always be on a spiritual high. There's going to be times in your life when your brother, like when when Mark was laying in that hospital, and he's doing all he can do. Kelly's doing all she can do because she can't get in there with him. You know, and we're doing what? All we can do to pray for him, to lift him up, to give him the strength, Ronan, coming from how many? 11 ounces to be able to be... You know, the odds of the people that can make it is usually not very great in these situations. And the power of prayer and the answers of prayer, people not giving up, you're serving one another because you know what? You're giving up of your time to be reminded that somebody needs you and you need to be praying for them. It's not all the time. Now, tomorrow we're going to be help moving Scott and Dana. So I'll just throw that in there for all the guys. We need to get together and get an address and get over there. We're going to meet there at 9 o'clock and bring them to Loosedale, you know, to uh, the Holy Land. And so anyway, uh, but, they, but see, this is all part of it because there again, when everybody does a lot, I mean, everybody does a little, a lot gets done, and that's, that's what it's really about. For those who can do this, but it is about serving one another. So he goes on and he tells Peter that. Peter's saying, you know, and he's, you're already clean. Let's go down to verse 12. And then we're going to finish up with this and we're going to hit unleavened bread. He said that when he has washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Now he's giving, he's asking them a question. Do you understand what I've done to you? Because he's fixing to tell them what he did to them. He's not leaving them in a stupor. He's fixing to tell them. And then he says this. He says, You call me teacher and master and you are right for so I am. Verse 14. If I then, your master and your teacher, has served you or has washed your feet, you also ought to wash or to serve one another's feet this is what he's saying if I'm your teacher and I'm your master I'm the rabbi that's been sent from heaven if I washed your feet if I served you this is what I'm telling you that you will serve others because that's what he's called us to do is to be servants in this earth in his first coming because we will be ruling and reigning in the second coming but we don't need to flip flop these and to go around and be a people to be served. I'm the pastor here. The Father has placed me here. I am to be the servant of all. I am to lead by example. I am to, by my nature and by my calling, try to outserve you. That's what I'm supposed to do. Because you know what? Yeshua outserved me. There's no way that I can catch up to him because he hung on a cross and he ransomed his life for me. So there's something I can't do. But yet, I can in the Spirit and I can do the best I can to show forth a ransoming life to you by example. And the elders would do so. And then we as a congregation would do. It appalls me, and I'm going to say this, and I don't know how this is going to go over in the airwaves, but it appalls me of pastors who are being served. Because that's not the calling is for the pastors to be served. Do they have a, a blessing that's going to hit them? Yes, but guess when that is? That's later. I mean, we can be blessed now. That's good. But the thing about it is, is we have to lead by example. Yeshua led by example. And He is our example. And we are not, I don't care, if you got a 10,000 member church, guess what? You are still to serve your people however you can serve your people. I just, I guess I'm going to get to meddling now. I just don't believe in all of these big things like this 10,000 member stuff. I just don't. And the reason is, is because how can you serve one another? How do you know? How do you know? You don't know. You can't, I mean, this is body ministry. When people roll into a 10,000 member church or a 50,000 member, you might know somebody on your row. Or you might know somebody when you run over them in the parking lot, getting out, you know. But you you see what I mean? You lose the body ministry. We need one another. Instead of a concert and a feel-good message, I mean, you feel good for a moment, but when you go home, guess what? Life hits you. And life might hit you on the way home. But it's just, to me, communities, you know, that He has put together that's why again I'm so proud and just excited for Bill and Beth and Jacob's tent that they would decide to be shepherds. And they're they're definitely, you know, learning how to serve. They they've served in the ministry for years, but this is a different capacity. And in the father I can see them just pouring his spirit on them and they're loving it and and it's just really amazing what the father's doing. But it's not only there, but it's all over. I really believe that if we can have the heart to serve, I think that's the reason. It's woe to the shepherds in Jeremiah. He's going to spank a lot of shepherds. dairy heirs. You know what I mean? Because of that. There's just too much of being served and not enough serving. I'll just leave it at that. Because Yeshua is our example. Verse 15, he says, For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And do you know what he's really telling me here? If I have the mentality of a pastor for a congregation that I'm leading to serve me, do you know what I'm telling him in his word? That I'm greater than he is. That's what you're saying. Just saying. He gave us that example Verse 17, he says, if you know these things, blessed are you. If what? That's right. Not if you teach about them, but if you do them. So that's the first little segment on foot washing. Is It's about servanthood and it's about stewardship. This is why we do it. I encourage everyone to do it. It's, even though it's, it, it is symbolic, it's an outward, but he tells us to do these things. Because it's humbling to do it. And if you're worried about your toes, go get them done. You know what I'm saying? Go get some polish on them. Do, do get them buffed. You know, get, just don't kick the technician whenever they're rubbing your feet. So just whatever you got to do. I don't, I just, it's just a humbling thing, but hey, that's why it's there. Amen? Okay, let's go to Exodus. Let's look at unleavened bread now for a few minutes. Exodus 12, 14 and 15. He talks about this shall be a memorial day. This is a day of remembrance. It shall be that you could keep the feast of Yahweh throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. He tells us for seven days we shall eat unleavened bread. How many days do we eat unleavened bread? Seven days. That means every day stick a cracker in your mouth. You know, don't try to eat two crackers because you forgot a day. But he's trying to tell us something here. Be mindful to do this. Because he's teaching us something. He's teaching us. Unleavened here is talking about getting the sin out. And keeping it out. This is why eating unleavened bread every day is a reminder to you. That we don't let sin come back into our home. Into our house. This is why it's important. He tells us here again. Look. Does he not say... In his word that he takes the foolish thing to confound the wise. Now I'm going to tell you to the world this sounds foolish. But to him he's doing it because it imparts and it means something to us. It's transformational to us. Because obedience is what's going to transform your life. It's not the unleavened bread cracker. That has nothing to do with it. It's the obedience of eating it and not eating the leaven you think that's easy in our day and time? It's not that easy. You roll up into a place and you're you're looking at all the boxes and you're looking at all the food, and the next thing you know, you done popped a biscuit in your mouth. You know, because you forgot to tell them to keep it off the plate. That's right. Or Burger King French Fry, something that's got leaven in it. So he's saying that for seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. That's a commandment. That's not a choice. It says, on the first day you shall remove the leaven from your houses. Usually we'll get the leaven out of our houses. If anyone eats what is leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So he's showing you that this is a very serious commandment. He is telling us that this is not playing. He's telling us that we as a family, this is what we should do. I'm going to get my glasses on. Poke my eyeball out. Okay, Exodus 12, okay, let's jump down to 19 and 20. It says, for seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses. Now, guys, if leaven is found in your houses, don't jump off your house. But we are to repent and we are to remove it from our property. But what is this showing us? It's showing us that, guess what? There's leaven probably hidden. There's sin probably hidden in your life somewhere. There's probably something going on in your life that you didn't realize this really sin. Why? Because you've been doing it forever. You know, there's a lot of things that me and you, we know what sin is. But do you know that there's a lot of people that live together and they get saved and they still live together because they don't know it's wrong. They've never been taught it's wrong. Guys, if you think for one moment in our society today that people think anything is wrong... Today, you you almost have to get a Christian lost before you can get him saved. Because everything goes. There's so much much sin and there's so much acceptance of sin out there that they don't realize that it's sin. But that's why when we know it, we repent. He's justful in faith to forgive us and we move on. But this is what this time and season is about is getting the leaven out of our houses and keeping it out. I told the thing about Hannah at the time, you know, vacuuming. Just remember that whenever you vacuum up all the leaven, empty your vacuum cleaner. But what made that a good story is, is because we talked about this before, because a lot of times, what do we do? We go get the sin up, and all we do is we relocate it. We store it. We relocate it in a different place, and we think, well, vacuum equals clean, equals not on the floor, equals its job is done. No, job ain't done until the sin is removed from your place. And that's what it is. So clean is not done until the vacuum cleaner is also clean. You can see these little principles in the scriptures of how we can remove things and how really a lot of times we just relocate sin and it creeps back in later. Am I in verse 19? Okay. Okay. So it says, no leaven shall be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leaven, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Now, who is he speaking to here? Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. So even the sojourners of the land had to follow the commandments of the land. Amen. Okay, Uh, you guys, y'all go to Isaiah chapter 1. What I'm going to do here is I'm just going to tell you about 1 Corinthians chapter 5. What, he, what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 5, he was talking about their boasting. He was telling them, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He's talking about cleaning out the low, uh cleaning out, I'm sorry, the old leaven that you may be a new lump, that you are really. Unleavened. So he's really saying that for the Messiah as our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So we know and we've said this is by Yeshua applying his blood. He has cleansed us. He has cleansed us. He has redeemed us from being a sinner. Okay. Now. Paul is talking to the people in Corinth because there were some issues about things. Really what it was. They were working and they were operating in the works of the flesh. Because it talked about malice and evil and all of that. So the the people at Corinth, the, the works of the flesh, he's talking to believers, and they were operating in the works of the flesh and not the fruits of the Spirit. That's what he was doing. I just want to look at the story from Isaiah 1. And I think that Paul had this in mind whenever he was ministering this to the people at Corinth. Verse 1. Let me ask you the question. Are we to do Shabbat? Are we to do Rosh Kodesh? Yes. Are we to do the feast? Yes. Are we, now, if the temple was still standing and all of the above, and we were all in that day, would we be bringing these sacrifices? Yes. All of these yeses still goes on today. So I want you to know something. We are commanded by him to do what he commands us to do. So I don't want you to turn around and grab this and say we ain't got to do it no more. What it, it says a uh, verse, verse 11 in Isaiah 1. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? i got to make sure I didn't jump. Okay, I want to make sure. I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of your well fed beast. I do not delight in the blood of bulls and of lambs and of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Tammy, can you go to Hebrews ten twenty-nine? I'm going to give you a second. Hebrews ten twenty-nine. So now they're bringing, they're doing everything that's commanded for the feast. But yet now, he says, with the trampling of my courts. Do you think he will bruise 1029. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the son of Elohim and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? That's powerful words. Same language. For people who's accepted Yeshua and has went back and started, I'm not saying that you don't make you don't make bad choices every now and then, you do. But to practice sin, to fall away and, and, and backslide and practice sin, we are trampling on sacrifice feet. His precious blood. We're trampling His sacrifice. We're trampling. He's not going back on that torture stake and die for mine and your sins any longer. That provision is made once and for all. This is the seriousness of these feasts is to remind us not to trample. Because see here, these people, in, in Isaiah being a prophet, Yahweh is fed up. They have a reputation that they're alive, but Yahweh is saying, you are dead, Judah. You're dead, Ephraim, and that you're dead, Israel. Because what you're doing is, is you're going through the motions. And so when we come into these feasts, that's why I said we're commanded to do these feasts. But guys, we need to make sure that we're not living a life of hell, just going through the motions of following the commandments and just doing things like doing these things Because this is really, if it's not in your heart, it isn't doing you any good. That's why I say, if you don't accept Yeshua as your personal Savior, and when you go get baptized, there's not a transformation. You just got wet. That's the only difference. And here, we can do the feast. The reason why I'm saying this is, is again, we talked about this. We're not to drink and eat of that cup unworthily, because it can bring sickness and death upon us. That's how serious this is. I think this is why the body of Messiah as a whole is as sick as we are. Because we don't regard, we're trampling and we don't recognize that we're trampling. And we're just going through the motions every season, every season. And here in Isaiah, he's giving us really a huge example of, And how much more, she read it, how much more now that Yeshua's on the scene. It's not, he's not the bull and goats. They were trampling the blood of bull and goats. We're trampling the blood of Yeshua himself. That's where we are today. I'm just trying to slow down and get our our mind clicking here to make sure before something happens that we don't go off in sin. Verse 13, it says, Bring no more vain offerings. In other words, bring no more of these offerings because you're full of the works of the flesh. Because vain means empty. Even though you bring a bull, you can bring your prized bull. But if your heart ain't where it's supposed to be, that bull ain't worth nothing to him. That sacrifice is not worth anything to him. That's right, you just killed a bull. You don't even get to eat it. He says. What? Incense is an abomination to me. Now he's talking about their prayers and their incense offerings and all that are an abomination. New moon, Sabbath, and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly. Out of this verse right here, he tells you what the problem is. I cannot endure iniquity. He's saying, guys, you got a sin problem. He's saying, and until you can get this sin problem, if you're going to, as a nation, he's talking about Israel as a nation. They were mixed worshiping. They were worshiping Yahweh, and they was worshiping Baal, Baal. They were worshiping Asherah, and they, they had got into all of these. And he said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of it. I told you, do not worship me as they do. We've seen the commandment that it was for everybody in the land. And he's telling them, I cannot endure. Do you know that there's coming a time whether you like it or not? Man, we've been coasting all of our lives in the generation that we live in. There's going to come a day that he's going to turn loose that wrecking ball. And it's going to knock our little buildings down. Because there's going to come a day to where the iniquity of this nation, the iniquity of the nations, their cup, of iniquity is going to be full. And when it is, all of these angels that he's holding back from the north, south, east, and west, he's going to say, it's time, and he's going to start opening these seals in these bowls. And when he does, you're going to start seeing a third of this destroyed, a third of that destroyed, a third of this destroyed. And people will be running around hollering, please, mountains follow me. And you can't even kill yourself. You can't even commit suicide. Because you have lived in that state. Now the beautiful thing, because we've been talking about this, I believe that the people who keep the commandments and have the testimony of Yeshua is going to be protected in the wilderness while all of this third, third, and third is going on. But here's the thing, and this is what this is about. We need to make sure that our election and calling is sure. We need to make sure that we're in that group that's going and not having the reputation that we're in that group, but that we're in that group that's going to be shielded. Because he, this is why he's got this here. There's a warning. Iniquity is the problem. If there's iniquity, we need to get it out. I do believe this too. I believe that there's coming a day soon that the situation of Achan's going to reappear. Right now, we're individuals, we're families, and I always tell us that our sin, a personal sin, don't just touch you. It usually touches you and your family and whatever happens. But I believe it's coming back a time, as the end time gets closer, to be a serious thing Do we find out what's going on in the lives of the people. Now, I know most of us sitting here right now, and that's a scary thought. But this is what this is really about. Getting the sin out, keeping it out, not relocating it, unless getting through a feast and then picking up old habits. That's not what this is about. It's about cleaning it up and keeping it cleaned up. This is what the rebuke is coming from Isaiah. It says this, Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Because this is what he was saying. Y'all just going through the motions. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Then he tells us something. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil deeds before my eyes and cease to do evil. Verse 17, he says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead for the widows. Now that sort of sounds familiar, doesn't it? What did Yeshua say before he left? He talked about somebody in prison, you visit them. Somebody who was hungry, you feed them. If you have the widow and the fatherless, you take care of them. If somebody's naked, you clothe them. You see the same thing, because guess what? Serving is what these feasts are all about. Serving is here is finding and knowing and being connected. But so, sin may not be just when we look at ourselves that I'm not into this and I'm not into that and I'm not into this. But sin could be when we had an opportunity to, To serve someone, but we were too busy. Or I'm not going to... Let me see how I can put this. And be kosher. That's right. When you know to do good and you don't do it, it's sin. Regardless of the individual. Because you may not click with that individual. You see, that's what I'm trying to say. Look guys, it's easy to serve people that you like. But when people are rubbing you the wrong way, it's harder to take time because you're busy. And the Father is trying to say, if we are a congregation and we are right before Him, we need to learn to see it as I can throw it. And I hope it sticks like slimies. But all I'm saying is, is this, is that in our prayer time, Look, I believe every one of us in here loves one another. I believe that 100%. But does everybody in here like one another? Or is it could be that somebody might rub somebody the wrong way. If that's the case, Yahweh is saying, fix it. Because we need one another. Do you know that individual that you love because you're commanded to, but you might not like as much, might be the very one that saves your skin. You see what I'm saying? Serving one another is what it's about. Knowing that that everybody in here is important. Everybody in here is as important as the next person. Because we are a body of Messiah. I'm just trying to get our thinking. I'm slowing down. I'm really throwing some stuff out there for you guys to really meditate on. Because Passover is coming up. And this is what this is about. This is about humbling ourselves so that we could serve one another. Heaven sakes. They crucified Yeshua. And do you know, he sit there. They, they, they judged Yeshua falsely. They accused him falsely. They pulled his hair out. Jeremiah said it. They just didn't put some stickers on his little crown. These were thorns, and they mashed that into his head. They beat him, pulled his beard out, humiliated him, knowing that he had the power to call down the angels from heaven and squash them like bugs. But yet, he, like a lamb being led to the slaughter, Didn't say a word. Didn't open his mouth to defend himself. Sometimes that's where we have to be. If we're falsely accused. The thing about it is, is to me, Yeshua gave us the greatest example of someone who was falsely accused, beaten, ridiculed, and all of that. And he didn't stand up for his own rights. If you want to put it that way. So for us as a body of believers. And let me just go even further than that. Brother Herman. All of the people. That was spitting on him and scourging him. And all of these people. He turned around and looked down on them and said something. To his father. Forgive them. Or they don't know what they're doing, what they're doing. Forgive them. Now, guys, that's love. That's what Passover is all about. He is the Lamb. Tammy said it many times. He can't be just a lamb. He has to be your lamb. He is the lamb, but he has to be your lamb. And then with that, we have to understand that there's people that are family, there's people that are brothers and sisters in Messiah. But there's also people of this world and we have to understand is to say, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I'm just telling you that ain't easy. I'm telling you that's a hard thing to do because when somebody strikes us on the cheek, sometimes it's hard to turn the other cheek until you, you know, until after you done popped in between eyes, you know, because that's what we do. It's just in our nature. But the Father, if we're being judged for righteousness' sake, it's easy really to turn the other cheek. So in this Passover, in this unleavened bread season, we just need to make sure, again, because this is what this teaching is about. I didn't want it to be negative. I want it to be positive. Because this is the time to where we really have to look inside of ourselves and we really need to dig deep. Is there someone in here that you're having a problem with liking? Then, if you can't go to them and hug them right now, pray. And I will promise you 110%, the Father will give you a love for that person. Because first, got to get yourself out of the way. you got to get Peter out of the way. If you can get Peter out of the way, then you can realize that whenever Yeshua comes to wash your feet, you will understand what he's really doing. Because now you're going to get to do the same. Yes, Tyler? And that's right. And that's right. Yeshua washed Judas' feet, knowing what Judas was fixing to do. I'm just telling you, he's our great example. And I want to leave you with this. What did he say? The servant is not greater than the master. Amen